and it is just a fantastic beast and you still can't believe when you're standing in front of the real thing and the smell the the leather and the oil and the whole machinery and it's just like wow it's really overwhelming but then you have to to step back a little bit switch off the car geek and uh, make something special out of the shoot Stefan Jan, one of the world's finest automotive photographers, talking about getting up close with one of everyone's favorite cars, a vintage Lamborghini Countach. More from Stefan soon. Welcome to the Viewfinders Photography Podcast, where I talk with some of the best photographers in the world in an attempt to find out how they got to the top of their niche and what they're thinking when they lift the camera. My name is Graham Dargy. I'm a professional photographer from the Granite City, Aberdeen in Scotland. Thanks for spending this time with me today. I hope you're safe and well wherever you are. Uh, first off, thanks for the fantastic reception to the previous episode with Ula Lohman, the volcano lady. Uh, people seem to have really got that episode. Uh, I've had some great feedback and it's always really good to hear when things resonate with people. Uh, so if you haven't checked out the previous episode, I recommend it. I also wanted to mention an episode from last year with one of my all-time photography heroes, Howard Schatz. I was listening back to this one the other day and it just reminded me how lucky I am to get to do this, to have these conversations with amazing photographers. And I was listening to that episode thinking that really happened. I really got to spend an hour with Howard Schatz picking his brain and asking him whatever I thought was a good question on the day. So yeah, just feeling super grateful for that and for you listeners who support the show and really make it all possible. So wanted to share that episode with the amazing Howard Schatz and recommend that you check that out if you haven't already. Otherwise, what have I been up to this week? Uh, just finishing up the school summer holidays here and my daughter started P2 the other day. So much excitement in our house. Photography wise, just hustling, putting out quotes, doing blogs, LinkedIn posts, all the glamorous things that you have to do when you have your own business. Uh, I've got a corporate headshot job today when this episode comes out and a few other things in the offing which I'll tell you about once they're done. Also, as always, working on the next Viewfinders Live events. Check out the ad slots for the latest information on that. Okay, before we get into the episode, a quick shout out to listener Andy Kruzchek. Sorry if I messed up your name, Andy, who got in touch the other day on Instagram Thanks for the kind feedback, Andy. You can connect with me on Instagram at Viewfinders Podcast. Drop me a line to say hi and I'll mention you on the show. Also, subscribe, rate and review Viewfinders on your favorite podcast platform. That's the best way to help me get the show in front of more listeners and I really, really appreciate it. Okay, my guest this week is Stefan Jan, an automotive photographer based in Stuttgart, Germany, whose clients include Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, BMW, and if that's not enough, just about every other leading brand you can think of. Stefan travels the world to create award-winning images, whether it's in a jungle, an Arctic test track, the streets of New York, or in an LA studio. His photographs blend technical sophistication with an authentic and natural feel, resulting in images that really set themselves apart Automotive photography at this level is high-end, high-pressure stuff, and I can't think of anybody in the world who's better at it than Stefan. 
Our conversation covers how Stefan got started as an assistant in a photography studio, how he handled his first solo assignment for Mercedes, the differences between shooting in studio versus on location, as well as diving into a few specific shoots and much, much more. Stefan is a technical master craftsman with huge experience who excels at bringing a human touch to everything he does. And he's just a super nice guy. So there's plenty to take away here. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Stefan Jan. Stefan Jan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Graham. Thank you. Very good. Hope you too. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I've always wanted to have an automotive photographer uh, on the podcast. Your work, the way I see it, is very you know technical, very precise, but there's still aspirational or lifestyle elements and a playfulness in your portfolio that I've found. And you're working on very high-end projects with really big clients, which is really interesting to me as a working photographer. I'd love to talk with you more about that. So I'm looking forward to getting into some of those things with you, but I think you're based in Stuttgart, is that right? Uh, that's correct, yes. So in the south of Germany, where also Mercedes and, and Porsche is situated, so okay. strategically well-placed. Yeah, for what <laughs> you do, yeah. So I was going to ask, having I knew Porsche was there, I, I, wasn't, I didn't know about Mercedes, but having that in the town, what um, shadow does that cast on Stuttgart, or what kind of atmosphere does that set in the city? Um, probably... You will never see more Porsche 911s driving around than in Stuttgart. So it's here it is really quite common to see these luxury cars all day around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder when you're going to other cities, oh my God, where are all these beautiful 911s gone? You know, it's... Yeah, everybody <laughs> has one. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, okay, so did you grow up in Stuttgart or you're from somewhere else? Um, actually, I was born in in Bavaria, then went to a city in 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 the middle of uh, Germany, Göttingen, and then for my apprenticeship in uh, in a studio, I went down to Stuttgart and stayed there. Okay, and so that was my next question: When did photography come on your radar? Were you into it as a child growing up, or how did that come about? Yeah, it was. Um, in school, I chose Russian as my second language, and uh, mostly because there was a, a class journey to to Moscow and Leningrad, as it was named these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, for this journey, I was buying a Minolta XGM with loads of Kodachrome, okay. and um, more or less started photography on this this journey to these mm-hmm. cities. Yeah. Okay, I'm just I'm wondering when cars came on your radar. I assume you have. I assume you're enthusiastic about cars anyway, and I'm, I always wonder where the love was first with the photography or the cars or how they blended. Um, probably cars were first. So my my mother tells me every time um, that when I was running around as a child, I had a matchbox car in every hand. Okay. Um, so maybe matchbox cars started the car fire, the petrol headiness in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after I finished school, I was looking for an apprenticeship to learn photography professionally. 
and um, I went down to Stuttgart because there is uh, the René Staud Studios, which are pretty famous for being uh, huge studios only dedicated to cars. Okay. And so big that you can also drive buses and trucks in the studio. Okay. I guess Germany has so many manufacturers, car photography, uh, maybe that's a, a viable career path for a, a young person. I was at at that time I wasn't so much focused on on cars it was more like photography at all it was like the fantastic beautiful jungle to go in uh but then working with these cars and um it really lights even more the fire and I was yeah deciding to go in this this direction okay so thinking back to that apprenticeship that sounds really good to me for me, my journey uh, with photography had gone from sort of enthusiast. I went to college for a couple of years, which was good, good experience. Um, and then I started my business and I, I really, that's when you start learning. And I've been learning on my own ever since. <laughs> so when I hear people had an apprenticeship or something like that, I, f I feel that must have been such a good grounding for you. I, I feel you would learn so much under somebody else's wing. Can you think back to that time and think about what you really took away from that time as an apprentice? Um, I mean, I was lucky because in this studio complex, to say it, are um, three photographers, hired photographers were working, and as well because it's, it was quite unique because of its largeness or size. Mm. Um, it was very often hired from um, other photographers from worldwide so american photographers british photographers car photographers came in to shoot for porsche or mercedes in these studios and so um you picked up the basics the technical basics from car photography lighting reflection panels shadow blah blah and as well which was which was even more important how to communicate and how to handle your clients mm -hmm. so okay. some people were pulling uh, pulling off a, a big dog and pony show mm -hmm. some were really the efficient precision just i do exactly the image and that's it and so you had the whole bandwidth of different um, personalities of photographers okay so for your personality did that allow you to feel confident that you would be able to do it your way? Uh, I mean, at that point in time, it was, it looked like, or, or it felt like a miracle that you get a job, you know, like two weeks shooting the new Mercedes SL or so. Um, I was completely clueless how to get a job like this. Mm -hmm. So it was like just making ends meet and making uh, do your daily work and it was not really a question how will i proceed in this profession from the apprenticeship did you sort of graduate to being your own professional or did you work then for somebody else that you met there how did it go forward from there yeah so i was um, then working for dietmar hennecker quite famous photographer in the 80s and 90s in in germany and in the car business um he was renting quite a lot of um 
time the studio and for marketing reasons I was always wearing um, not a tie but the, a bow tie um, bow tie a bow tie and though he said I want to hire the bloody assistant with a bow tie every time <laughs> and so he was um, famous for his clear words and speaking out loudly and um, yeah uh, okay if you would interview him you would only hear beep and beep <laughs> and beep <laughs> okay but the bow tie worked out for you that was worked perfectly as a as my first marketing instrument and um, so i was after finishing the apprenticeship i was working for nine months and one day for him okay and um, then moved to the next photographer yeah he, okay. which was he, not he, so challenging and loud <laughs> okay yeah i was so he was a big personality we could say but for you i'm interested in the bow tie because that was something you did on purpose to people so people would remember you uh yes yeah so just okay. to stand out because there were like 10 or 11 assistants in the studio okay. and just to because nobody remembers names yeah. Right, Peter? And uh, <laughs> exactly. so Graham. <laughs> Graham, I know. And, uh, and therefore, I just said, okay, I have to stand out from the crowd. And yeah. It's a great way to do it. I do it with my hairstyle. That's why ah, people okay, can yeah. remember me. Good move. The bald guy. <laughs> and, and being incredibly small as well uh, helps. So, um, <laughs> well, there's another photographer that I've spoken to, Gregory Heisler, who always wears a bow tie. He's a portrait photographer ah, from the States. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's definitely like his calling card kind of thing. But he like he, if you see him at work behind the scenes shots, he's dressed up like he's dapper, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But even when I called him, he was wearing like a denim shirt, but he still had a bow tie on because it's just <laughs> his thing. Um, so okay. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm me, I'm putting the pieces together now thinking if I want to be a successful photographer, this is I need to start buying bow ties. But. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing the point. I don't know. Um, okay. So casting back to your days in as assistant, as, as an assistant, um, again, I'm keen to understand if there are things that you can take away that you, you do now today that you've always, you really learned in those days. Is there, is there, is it really just a solid, solid foundation like I'm thinking it is? Or what, what are the takeaways from or working with different photographers? Maybe you pick up different things. I don't know if that was really a question, but... Maybe you can say something in response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what what you really learn with being an assistant, and, and I think it was about eight or nine years I was working as a fixed freelance assistant for different photographers, is that you get an incredible uh, routine in in doing things. So you don't think twice when you set up a camera or, or, or mm -hmm. fixing a light or, or fixing a... Uh, a flag or stuff like this you know it just comes natural and it's mm -hmm. just uh, you don't sit down and do philosophical philosophical things about lighting but you just um, do it quickly and very German efficiently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just get it right yeah. um, that's great I mean if I could go back in time I would definitely do assisting okay so you did that for a few years then as an assistant and then when did you go on your own and do you remember what was your first kind of solo big car uh, manufacturer job um so my f first real job so was with 
I think it was with 28, something around okay. like this. And um, I was lucky enough to meet a lot of um, art directors on the shootings. Um, and so my first job was a Mercedes brochure to shoot, okay. which is <laughs> kind of um, high class. And um, it was, a, I think, three weeks in a studio and shooting interiors of uh, the new C-Class, which is pretty uncommon because normally you're starting with one day or half a day and you get a small test shoot here and there. Um, but this art director was so convinced that he said, okay, I can hire Stefan for this really massive job. The guy with the bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. So, okay, so how did that land on you it's one thing to think okay that's what i want to do but then when now it's your turn to do it how were you feeling that at the beginning of that day did you sleep the night before or were you feeling a bit of pressure there uh i mean yeah you can imagine it was little not a little bit but massively frightening because you have um it's a massive amount of money that you have to uh, take in your hands and uh, you have to hire the studio and the assistants and the equipment um, buying a lot of stuff that you can get the job done and so I was really nervous and I was very very happy when the first sheet film came out of the lab uh, properly exposed and yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's Mercedes I mean it's no small deal isn't it so yeah yeah I mean you have to get it right because if you uh, blow your first job, you probably won't get your feet down in this industry for, for the next job. I wanted to set the scene then for people listening and for myself, who are not an insider to what you do. How is it like to work with your client? I wanted to see if you can describe the relationship between you and the client and the chain that is there maybe between you, the agency, art director, client, if you can lay that out for us so that people can understand where you fit in that puzzle. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So, I mean, normally you get uh, contacted by the agency, um, which decides that you are the photographer best suited for that, for that, um, for that project. And then you get... Yeah, then, then the client comes in at a more or less late point in, in the whole uh, thing. So m maybe the first time you meet the client is in, in, in the shoot briefing, shortly before the, 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 the project starts. And the client more or less is just approving the photographer. He said, mm -hmm. yes, he, I can see in his portfolio he's the one in doing it. But um, he's not too much involved in the shoot and very often even do not show up uh, on the shooting. So okay. the main connection you have is uh, between photographer and art director or creative director from the agency. Okay. And then so did they come to you with completely pre-visualized imagery that they want to create or do you have some say in the look of the, the photographs? Um, I mean, these days you have very often photorealistic um, layouts uh, already comped together in Photoshop. And there is most of the time only very little 
uh, creative input you can deliver. So creativity in this kind of work is like make it happen. Okay. So there's not that I can choose or say, ah, I don't see a desert in the background. I would see a lush forest mm -hmm. more likely. That's, yeah. Um, so the the perspective of the car is exactly determined beforehand by the mm -hmm. designers so there are so-called uh, walk-around shootings when another photographer is taking hundreds of pictures um, exactly with a measurement so like say 10 meters distance camera high is 45 centimeters and you're using the 50 millimeter lens mm -hmm. and then you get this information saying if you want to shoot the three-quarter front from this car it's exactly 10 meters 45 centimeters up and we show it at a 22.5 degree angle okay wow because this is the angle the designer is seeing the car yeah they've so decided that's the right angle for this yeah okay yeah and you just have to follow that and you have to to compose your image around this um yeah setting mm -hmm. so that's it's very specific then very tight for you and yeah like your job is now to to join the pieces together and and make it happen i wanted to touch then on location shooting um and look maybe at studio shooting as a separate thing if we can they might um, there probably might be some crossover but um so you start with that pre-visualization what are the next steps from there when you have to put together your crew and your shooting listing, put your mind in the right place for it? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, so after you get the um, agency briefing and all the, the information how the images should look like, you, you pull together your crew. Uh, mostly the first thing you get into the boat is the production company and the producer and um, you're discussing okay we have this budget and have to handle this project so how do we manage it and uh, you also send out location scouts uh, to s look for the defined location so you are going you the photographer um, are briefing the scouts and you say okay I need colorful modern architecture with um, at the coast or I need old brickyard factories or whatever your your desire is and these guys either make file pulls from existing files they already um, have in their li library or they are um, going out and looking sometimes for weeks for the uh, perfect location okay so you you've figured that out and then and you get on with the shoot so stepping into that day i was interested to, to talk to you about your own photography setup um if you're shooting on location um it's, it's interesting to understand i think you're using is it mamiya and leaf cameras i think i saw that somewhere um i'll let you answer it. what cameras and gear are you using on the day yeah, so for, for uh, commercial um, shootings like this, I moved to um, Phase 1 XF camera with the uh, IQ4 150 digital back, which is offers the highest resolution and the best image quality as it's a medium format camera. 
and uh, it's always I always shoot tethered so straight into a MacBook Pro which is set up on on the location and um, yeah so it's it's 99% tripod of course mm -hmm. um, because you have to precisely fix the angle and the position and then there is not this one shot of course in these days but you uh, do many shots with changing light you are adding um, flashlight or lighting effects or people around the car and um, deliver let's say from from one motive probably five to six hundred files to the post-production yeah, I was going to ask about lighting because I assumed that you're using lighting on location, but your work doesn't really look lit as such, if you know what I mean. So I guess that's the the trick, isn't it? So are you are you saying that you deliver many pictures from the same angle and they get comped or it's just a lot of different options from the same kind of composition? Yeah, uh, so it's it's mainly from exactly the same, the same position. Okay. So um, you are uh, nailing down the camera, fix the camera, and then starting walking around the car with your flashlight, doing many, many different um, flash exposures on the car. And then afterwards you are deciding, okay, this looks nice here because the this design line is featured here and we got the rims beautiful lit here and the bumper is getting a little nice shiny highlight here and then you these different pieces are comped together in post-production they get sent over to somebody to who'll put them together it's not you who's who's doing the, the compositing uh no because this is a level of photoshop skills that are mm. beyond my <laughs> my brain yeah <laughs> i wanted yeah. to look at a couple of or yeah one or two of the location shoots then that are on your website the first one that, that i really I, I wanted to mention was the one with the toyota supra which is to me i don't know the, if this is the right terminology but more a traditional style of car photography where the car appears to be moving do you know the shoot i'm talking about there's a yeah, yeah, red yeah. supra so is it really a, a, what it looks like or is that a, some kind of a composite now this is really what it looks like so um, okay. you have these massive blurred backgrounds on these images and the the american agency they are um, wanted exactly this uh let's say vintage look to these images mm -hmm. um it was it's um rig photography and it was pretty much big in the in the 80s so probably every second car picture was done in this technology yeah and it's um and the trick is that you put um specialized carbon fiber arm fix it onto the car like a selfie stick so to say oh, right and it goes out up to 10 12 13 meters and the camera is fixed on the end of that selfie stick okay. and then the car is moving very slowly so like pushed by hand and um, you're exposing like two three four five six seconds and then get this these nicely turning rims turning wheels the blurred background 
all the blurred reflections in the in the car's body and uh, yeah these one perfect shot yeah it's beautifully done i think that's what i meant when i said traditional it's more sort of an old school look isn't it um but it's so nicely done i was thinking you were uh, hanging out the back of another car driving along there but maybe they don't do it that maybe that's like my lo-fi way of doing things um, no you do it um these car to car shoots um are also like daily bread and butter but of course it's not so exactly um it's more like a run and gun version because you the, the cars are moving uh, the distance is changing the angles are changing and if you have these pre precise wishes of distance angle height camera height or so mm -hmm. it can be super easy achieved by this by this rig technology okay and um, because you do the same distance of road um 10 12 20 times and then you can exactly compose together what's what you need from these separate files okay okay um i guess that you know you're hanging out of the car shooting it as more of a car magazine s style maybe i i guess where less precise but you still give you the same kind of feel i suppose the other one i, I wanted to quickly bring up was a shoot for volkswagen in 2020 i think it's maybe for the chinese um marketing mm -hmm. and yeah. the the reason i wanted to ask about this one was because it has people involved in the shots and uh, i just that seems like another layer of complication for you. Um, can you talk a bit about that shoot? And um, now that I've heard what you've said, I'm wondering if the people were even there at all. But um, <laughs> can you talk about that? So the, the cars are, are set out, you know, nicely in an environment and there are people around them in a lifestyle kind of way. So maybe you can talk about how those are achieved. Yeah, so th this is... Um, uh, quite revolutionary for the Chinese market because I was, let's say, started shooting in China 10, 12, 13 years ago. And they did a lot in the studio. They did a lot of retouching and it was a very artificial way of shooting. Mm -hmm. um, so they come together many, many pieces and backgrounds and um, parts from the car. And um, this specific shooting was the start of a new way of um, seeing photography and advertising for VM, uh, VW in, in China. So this is all real. So it's all one shot. Okay. So people were on location, the lighting, everything is done in one single frame because they wanted to have, they wanted to go away from this artificial and you never can, can avoid of that the viewer is saying, yeah, but I think it's not one shot. I don't feel comfortable with this picture. It looks somehow come together. Mm -hmm. And they want to go in this authentic, real direction of photography. And so really, the people, the models, everything was on set and shot exactly mm -hmm. like, like scene. Okay, and but presumably still with that tight, brief uh, that you described before where you're shooting exactly the way they want it yes and the uh in 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 china the briefing is much more precise and 
they are accepting much less uh, variations on that. So okay. it is absolutely nailed down this and you have to deliver exactly what you see on the layout. Okay, so this guy is leaning on the front of the car, his hand is like this, his foot is up like that. It's very, very precise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so interesting. I know now that I couldn't do this because my approach is usually is like I'll start with a, a being a really good plan, but then when I get going, I'm like, oh, this is fine, it's close enough, and um, <laughs> or something like that. So I, I know that you're a different kind of shooter than I am. Let me ask about working in the studio then. I was going to ask if that gives you more control, but it all sounds very controlled. Maybe more creative possibilities. I, there was a couple of shots of yours that seemed to have light painting uh, in there, and I was wondering if that was an in-camera thing. But um, So if I can, let's go get specific then. Um, there's a shoot that's on the front of your website with the Audi, is it E-Legend Quattro? Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's a modern, it looks like a new style electric car. Uh, there seems to me like there's light painting going on in the frame. Can you talk about that? Um, is that a typical studio shot or is that one a little bit different? Um, this one was a little bit different because it was not really shot in, in a studio, in a dedicated um, car photography studio, but at the uh, manufacturer. So the car is like a, a reincarnation from the original Audi Quattro Mm -hmm. and it was just imagining how this car would look today Mm -hmm. and it's uh, not directly from Audi but from one of um, Audi's concept car shapers Um, as well in the pandemic they had nothing to do and they decided uh, come on let's play a little bit around how would this car look like and uh, I got in contact with them and shot this car um in their let's say presentation hall okay so which yeah you could darken it and 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 light the car but um if you are in a in a, in a proper car studio you have these huge um uh flats you know like 10 by 6 meters or so massive reflectors hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. and you can super precise control the lighting on the car and make it yeah incredibly yeah pristine and beautiful okay um but of course the difficulty is in the studio you have to to invent everything you have every piece of life or or realism or if you bring realistic stuff in the picture you have to to build it and create it and organize it and bring it to the studio. And this is what I love on uh, location shoots, that things are happening that you cannot control or that you cannot think before. Um, You know, it's like there's a rain shower coming and everything is looking much more beautiful after the rain comes down or you have to go for a pee around the corner and say, oh my God, we have to do, this is such a beautiful road up there. We have to go there. And um, okay. so many pictures are uh, by by coincidence, you know, it's just happening and you see something or something is coming to your mind where 
which you never imagined. Mm -hmm. And that's also the, the difficulty if you do um, 3D work, which is quite common now in, in, in car photography, um, that someone has to have traveled the world and has needed to have seen a lot of things to, to build up a believable and realistic picture. I wanted to ask then about, there's a shoot here, I think it's the Mercedes GLS, which is a composited, yeah, here it is, I'm just scrolling your website. It's, a, it's, a, it's in your studio section on your website, but it's, it's a composite where it's in a sort of arctic or snowy location. Um, ah, so there's, yeah. there's the, it's a four by four car with the, with the guy and it's a, a dog as well. Um, that looks like a interesting shoot, a lot going on there. Um, so you're shooting the car in the studio and then did you have to photograph the, the guy as well and, and the dogs? Cause that's, cause I can imagine if somebody's giving you that brief, uh, to photograph a dog, you might be thinking, I'm, I'm a car photographer. What am I going to do with a dog? <laughs> <laughs> so is there a story with that shoot? Um, actually, it was for uh, the Mercedes magazine. And um, they wanted to see uh, sled dogs mm -hmm. together with their super luxury GLS. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in the middle of summer, 40 degrees. <laughs> and um, uh, of course, they did not send us to <laughs> South America. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to, to shoot it in a white studio. Um, but we got all the, the dogs live from mushers around Stuttgart. Uh, they came in with huge trailers with all the dogs in. And uh, we had really to uh, put fastening systems in the studio. Um, to hold those dogs because there were, I think, eight, nine or ten dogs in front of wow. that sled. And if, if they are start pulling, yeah, <laughs> nothing will hold, will hold that sled. I mean, you managed to photograph them, obviously, but am I right in thinking that was just a bit out of your, out of your field? I mean, in the end, I'm there to make things happen. Um, but... I do very much prefer um, a realistic approach and I really love if I, let's say, have can, can take a picture to 90% to in camera. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really like, you know, this, this puzzle uh, approach to, to take 20 puzzle pieces and uh, put them together to one so-so picture. I wanted to ask for that reason because it, it does seem unusual for you um, and so I figured it might have been a challenging or memorable um, experience in, your, in the studio then are you working with the same gear same setup obviously tethered and, and everything but would there be any difference in your uh, in your camera setup in the studio or, or out and about uh, no so still phase one is the camera to go um, in the studio I would probably use um, a big mac pro because it has a little bit more mm -hmm. power and is is, is faster um, i will have a, a big um, xdr display you know the 32 inches or so to really 
dive deep into into the image because the expectations are for a studio shoot always much more higher on on technical perfection okay right and so you normally you know Porsche people they will go and and ask for yeah they we have in inside of the uh, of the wheel arches we have little black uh, screws can can we check if these are visible I mean nobody will ever ever ask um, for these screws but um, yeah they want to see it <laughs> they did want to see them yeah oh, wow. and most likely they will get retouched out afterwards but yeah yeah for sure if you see a screw <laughs> you're gonna retouch that out. so but th that's it must be quite good in a way having that control and presumably the creative director or art director is there to give you the yes or the no about each picture is that a, a fun process to collaborate that way yeah you always have to sit down with with the art director beforehand and um get into his head his head and and really understand what he wants to achieve um with these images so that you can and then in the studio it's like like a working together so everybody throws in an idea and you are um in a little slalom you you reach your final final mm -hmm. destination yeah with that is it easy to stray away from the initial sort of pre-visualization in that way or is everybody consciously just drilling it down to that one thing i mean firstly you're you're really drill drilling it down to to the specifications you you got um but then you can yeah roam a little bit more freely and say okay let's what if and then maybe um yeah try to get the better picture present it as well and if you are lucky the client says yes that's really cool yeah let's take this one let's change direction slightly because i wanted to ask you about some still life photography if that's okay um and there's some really interesting projects in the still life section of your website which one do i want to ask about there were two that particularly caught my eye one is I think it's they're the scents that go inside the toilet. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about that project? Was that an advertising shoot or some personal work? Yeah, that's what's just um, uh, a personal project um, because I like the the shapes of the different air fresheners because they have round and more like a sailboat or stuff like this. And um, but you still see a little bit the red or blue fragrancy blob inside. Yeah. And um, I was just for for my own pleasure shooting those. Yeah. That was that like a lockdown thing or? Uh, no, that was way before. In in lockdown, I was going um, into Matchbox. So okay. there's even. Um, a separate website it's lixlux.de it's l i x l u x dot de okay and it's all about matchbox and corgi and uh, hot wheels okay and, uh, because i still have have the cars of my childhood um in my cellar and i took them out and um started to play around you know like ideas what happens 
um, those drama moments when you when you lose a car on your on, on the playground mm-hmm. and it still sits there hidden behind some some foliage um, or maybe creating dramatic shadows of the cars and all that stuff so just like you know photographing many different aspects from from these cars okay and that was your lockdown project exactly yeah so uh, it was um, together with my favorite post post producer Mm -hmm. he's also uh, a keen matchbox fan and so we've thrown together our collections and um, yeah played around with ideas and he was post producing and I was happily shooting and yeah in the end we created the website okay it's great and there's a lot of different styles of of shooting on the website so were you able to transfer some of your normal skills onto this or were you just completely playing and finding new ways to to do things uh in the end I could could transfer because small car cars because more or less the same mm-hmm. um of course you had to to size down the uh the normal lamps to meet the uh matchbox size because mm-hmm. if you have a normal flash head it's it's way too big because everything is bright um so you have to to move to microscopic lighting devices or very small um led strips and stuff like this so everything has to be tiny to get the the crisp quality in the um bodywork of the cars okay i'm wondering if i know sometimes with photographers i've spoken to people before who are shooting personal work that's a little different and a little quirky but that's actually opened up some work doors for them Uh, i was wondering if this has led you to any other opportunities and uh, not for now um so it was mentioned in a couple of um photography magazines and um but normally you never know because nobody tells you oh you know i saw your your matchbox photography and could you shoot my lamborghini yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> okay so it doesn't work and, like that so um yeah but but who knows i mean as you know you have to to run around doing crazy things and um, the more you do the more likely a job will come around and somebody mm-hmm. will see it and say hey let's let's call him yeah yeah okay it's really interesting and um i'm always wary of of having like technical conversations because i i, I know it might be boring for some people i don't know but with what you do I w- it just felt like the right way to go at it with you and to really understand some of the workings of how it's done with you because it's a lot more than it seems, you know. It's one of those things where the end result can look effortless, like there's just a car next to a, a mountain or whatever, but how much has gone into that, that's really fascinating to me. So hopefully um, some listeners are still with us. Um <laughs> Um, okay, this is a round called Double Exposure, and I've, where I'm going to ask you about a, the story behind a particular shoot, and then I'll throw it back to you to tell me the story behind a, another particular image that you like. So I know that we've touched on a few shoots already, but there were two, I suppose, that caught my eye as maybe interesting to talk about. I thought for you, shooting the Panamera in New York, that looks like a really good, fun experience. 
maybe we can touch on that, but I can't go past the Lamborghini Countach because that is the car that was the poster on my wall when I was a kid. And uh, you you had the opportunity to photograph that. Is there is there a story yeah. behind that one? Was it as much was it as cool to do that as I'm thinking it would be? I think this was for um, a German financial magazine, and they organized that 50 years special edition Kuntach, and it was just yeah as well a picture on my wall, and it is just just a, f- a fantastic beast and you still can't believe when 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 you're standing in in front of in front of the real thing yeah and it smell the the leather and the oil and the whole machinery and it's just like wow it's really overwhelming but then you yeah. have to to step back a little bit you know like uh switch off the car geek and uh make something special out of the shoot or yeah shoot the car like uh, so that it's not looking like like um, a reproduction you know just i i was there and the car was there and yes just to prove it um mm-hmm. yeah um i'm here but you have to put the car in a surrounding and create a complete photograph mm-hmm. and that is in at least this is one goal I would like to achieve with every shoot that it looks like the car is there really natural. Mm-hmm. So what I hate most is like race cars standing in a 45 degree angle on a racetrack, you know, like posing like a girl. So, <laughs> hello, here I am. I mean, a car on a racetrack is driving. Yeah. Or if it stands, it's broken down. <laughs> yep, yep. If the wheels aren't turning, it's not yeah. moving, right? And I would like to have that that the viewer is looking at my images and, and is believing what he's seeing, so there is no car posing, so there's no not artificial. It's it's like, oh, someone came by and, and snapped that scene. That mm-hmm. would be my my favorite approach. Okay. From your career looking back is there a particular shoot or moment that stands out that's got a good story that goes with it? I mean, one of my really favorite shoots, because I am also love um, planes, uh, was for Mercedes Airport Service. It was like a service where you can drop your car for inspection when you are departing and pick it up when you're coming home. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to have um, a shot from a, from a jet straight f- from the front that you are looking at the nose of the um, of the plane mm-hmm. and right in front of the the hull or the body of the plane stands a mercedes so it looks like the mercedes is getting wings and a fuselage okay and in these days this was shot in real so we went to the mojave desert to a jet how do you say it's a cemetery Okay. It's a huge, huge, enormous, huge um, area where, where jets are stored when airlines do not longer need them. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of jets. And uh, we hired the, the runway for 24 hours and we hired a plane for one day. And uh, it was pulled like on the runway and I was standing there and left, 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 right, right. And it was like my airport, my plane, put the car in front and then 
the creative director showed up and said, well, you know, but the mountains in the far, far distance are too high. I would like a little bit lower mountain, so we have to change the airport. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking it was like the lens. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I think, a hundred thousand or so, you know, uh, renting the plane and the airport and blocking the, the air traffic for one day on, on, on the airport. So it was like, um, no, let's sit down, have a beer, and I'm explaining you why we cannot change the airport, but we have to make the image now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, what was the solution? Did you manage to shoot a different angle or <laughs> just use a wider lens? No, I mean, in the end, he was um, like accepting that. I mean, it was a, 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 a tiny, you know, it, it was just probably to say something, or it really okay. doesn't make any, any difference. It sounds really fun. It sounds really like you've had a... And it looks from your portfolio, you must have had a lot of great experiences along the way. Right, Stefan, that brings us, if you're um, okay for another couple of minutes, to the quick fire round. So some quick questions. Yeah. It's only quick fire in name. You can take your time if you want to. But, <laughs> okay. but I, yeah. I call the round motor drive. So, okay, wide angle or telephoto? Uh, wide angle. Um... Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee, definitely. Okay. Espresso. All right. So I, I just spoke to a, a wildlife photographer the other day, and I was asking, you know, what animal would he be if he was an animal? And I wanted to ask you what kind of car you would be if you were a car. Um, Land Rover Defender 130. Okay. <laughs> old style or? Uh, old school. Um Reliable mechanic, you know, no fancy bling bling, um, but keeps going. Okay, that's good. Well, those are great <laughs> qualities, right? Um, okay, would you use an expensive lens cloth or just the corner of your shirt? Um, expensive lens cloth, yes, yeah. because you know, with these phase one lenses that are eight, nine, or ten thousand euros, um, it should be a microfiber something yeah they should come with their own windscreen wipers yeah yeah that would be an idea yeah yeah well you can send that idea in um okay which is your go-to emoji do you, if you use emojis on your phone uh i'm afraid it's the wink wink i um and crazy stick your th tongue out like <laughs> <laughs> okay you did it so well um okay wh wh who are the best german band or musician Oh, I think it's um, the old old school answer would be Kraftwerk because they are really brilliant and fueled the whole modern techno music. And but I also like uh, Oliver Koletsky. Oh, okay, Oliver Koletsky sound. I was just thinking when we were talking about the Lamborghini, and I, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but I had a shoot a few years ago where I photographed uh, the Night Rider car. Oh, yeah. There was a guy locally who had one, had one, and he was using it for events and birthdays and things like that. And um, I just just when I was looking at the, that black Lamborghini, I just remembered that, and um, I must have made a, a real mess of it compared to what you would do. But um, and now when I was asking you about music, I remembered that I think David Hasselhoff was had <laughs> successful in Germany. So just putting those things together. But um, yeah. 
Anyway, what's a weird thing I could find in your camera bag? Ooh. Uh, that's an excellent question. Everybody has some weird field craft thing that it shouldn't be there, but it has a use, you know? That's really hard. So um, maybe earplugs because I I hate sleep in, in, in noisy hotels. Mm-hmm. So that's great. It's Perfect. definitely a must go. Great answer. My camera bag is getting bigger and bigger with all these cool answers that I get. Um, okay, <laughs> name a photographer either from your field or out with that we should all know about. So my all-time favorite is Reinhard Wolf, a German photographer from Hamburg do, doing lots of um, architecture work in food photography. And he, as you mentioned, the bow tie, he always... Uh, showed up in a suit mm -hmm. so it was very even even on on location shoots or architecture shoots in in the middle of the mud or so he was always showing up in a suit and was very very gentleman like mm -hmm. okay when do you feel at peace with the universe uh in the garden definitely or in any garden so yeah so it's a great place to be at one with nature isn't it yeah um Thank you, Stefan. I really appreciate your time and your input. And they're just getting to the end. I'm thinking oh, I should have asked this and that. But I think you've given so much in this interview. Such a great insight into that world because it's not it's really specialist. Do you know, like me, I'm, I've been a bit of a journalist over the years. and I would never get to touch anything like what you do. So it's it's really interesting to hear how it all works. And understand that I could never do it. So, <laughs> so um, really appreciate you, Stefan. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, Graham, thank you very much. It was really pleasure to talk to you. And um, whenever questions are popping up, just, yeah, we do a second podcast. Well, there you go. A teaser for part two of this interview. And that's an invitation I'll definitely take up somewhere down the line. Thanks, as always, for listening. Follow Stefan on Instagram and check out his website to see more of his amazing work. Links to everything we spoke about are in the show notes. If you enjoy this episode, then check out my conversations with Monty Rakusin and Scott Shuthinio. Really recommend those if you're into the commercial or technical side of photography. That's all for now. Take care, enjoy your photography, and I'll see you out there.